the following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm, Chapter 92, Faces in the Stone. Days stretched into weeks and months in the twilight world as Solus found the lead of the Bremen through the mountains. Little by little, Solus began to suspect that they knew more than they had told him. Solus bided his time and began to coax them for clues about Celeste. It was hard to extract anything new, but Solus was very clever in the way he posed his questions subtly, and although the Bremen might have guessed at his game, they were, after all, partial to games, and so they indulged him by dropping a hint to him here and a half-expressed clue there. They had met with Celeste, and they had spoken to her, after all. They could not show Solus where she was, but they could show him where she was not. They were escorting Solus out of their curiosity for the fighter's memories, which they would absorb from him psionically. At first, these had been their usual fare, erotic scenes with the females he had known in other worlds. But after, the Brayman became intrigued by the realization that other worlds had existed, and Solus's memories became a gateway to seeing those, and experiencing those, too. As time went on, it was not a secret anymore that Solus was trying to covertly extract further knowledge of the priestess from them. It was less of a secret, too, that they had been leading him nowhere. After a time, the facade began to fade, and they became slightly more frank with one another. Instead of games, they progressed to daily negotiations. Solus would bargain for the next insight, and the Brayman would demand an appropriate memory in return. They had enjoyed past life visions of him with Kailana and Len and Celeste. They were also interested in the tales of castles and kings, and Solus's journeys against the ocean, of his rise as a knight, and of the eventual betrayal he had endured by his countrymen. Even his deepest regrets from the world, and his shame, and his unfulfilled dreams seemed to tickle their fancy too, and because of this, he had a great deal with which to entice them, slowly learning more about Celeste's journey in the Grimark's domain, while being careful not to sacrifice too many memories of her, for once he had forgotten certain crucial memories, he would not recall anymore who she was to him, or why he was even in the Grimark's domain anymore. If he lost those things, he would not any longer be conscious enough to bring her out. Going against the Grimark seemed over time to send the Brayman into episodes of deep paranoia. Nico said that he had seen the Grumark's face in the mountainside, and he could still swear that he saw it even after the others had come and told him that there was nothing there. 
on another day the face appeared to Unier, and another time it was Tartarus who saw it, and once even Solus thought that he saw it too, like a warning in effigy, but he did not mention it. Even though it haunted his waking dreams, and even though he knew that the Grumark would take revenge for any challenge, Solus prayed that before that could happen, that he would learn what he needed to learn in order to find out why Celeste had been brought here and where she could at last be found. In the Grumark's domain, there is no sun, but neither is there total darkness. I welcome you travelers tonight to the 92nd episode of the Iron Realm, and I thank you legendary powers, all you travelers of the maze, and every friend of the show for all that you have done to support the Iron Realm. Your listenership means the world. And in these times, is a great inspiration to your Maze Master. Continue all of you to share in the journey. We look on over the shoulder of our brother Solus as he treads through the mountains over months and years in search of the eternal starflower, his beloved Celeste. The next chapter of the adventure is yours. How shall it fare for Solus and Celeste? Selected audio for this episode has been voiced by me, Marcus Reeves, and I hereby lend my power and my voice to the Iron Realm podcast. The Iron Realm, copyright Abel Enzo, can be found with full episodes and summaries at theironrealm.com and theironrealm.blogspot.com. Journey you always well in the maze of stone. Iron Realm. Real Roleplay. Once... When they had taken shelter against the wind in a mountain cave, Elfrig said, Your little wife is quite the healer, isn't she? Solus nodded, and he did not quibble about the familiar label Elfrig had given to her, for in his heart he knew there was something about it that fit. Elfrig sighed, how old sized up Solus with his eyes, and he asked Solus how old he was. Solus gave his answer, and Alfred eyed him, thinking Solus older than what he had said. But then the Fey Lord smiled at him, and continued, for some reason choosing this time to tell Solus the rest of the story in a way that was not any longer a riddle or a trick. It doesn't matter that she was taken against her will, Solus. The truth is, that it was justified. Because the price just was needed more than she is needed by you. Or anyone else. Celeste has a deep will within her. She's special. She's wise. 
The group hasn't seen the end of the Iron Realm. Its destruction is coming. And only the legendary powers can stop it. Groomarch is one of those Celeste, and he believes that Celeste is, unknown yet to her, one of the legendary powers, too. She's the only other that he has ever found, and he has been searching for eons. He won't let her go, and maybe he shouldn't. She's needed here, Celeste. Elfrig, said Celeste then, but after a moment, decided not to say any more. You have a link to her, too, said Alfred. The Guru March knew this and needed to know if you're also one of the legendary powers. We have been in his service. You know that by now, don't you? Yes, I do, said Solus. What are you going to do? The Guru March knows our minds, even as we now know yours, continues Alfred. He has no plans for you anymore. Gaguru March sees nothing that you could he could use. But he could keep you in this domain for now. If there is no other reason, he could use you against Celeste to secure her cooperation. Why are you telling me all this? said Solus quietly. Because I like you, Solus. We've all seen the feelings you have for this female. And at the heart of it, your sentiments are only noble. What the Gearmarch is doing is justified, in order to save the last realm. But, we're not so sure that you should be kept from her. You've impressed us, Sliss. And with us Brayman, this is not an easy thing to do. She's not on this mountain, is she? No, said Alfred. Then where? asked Solis. If we told him that, he would have had us destroyed, said the Feyborn, grinning. So we could never ever tell you that. Perhaps already, we've said too much. He looked to the sky, through which the storm clouds were rolling, as if to see if a bolt of lightning would strike him dead where he was. Let us not speak more of this, said Alfred. After all, it is better that Celeste is able to do the agreed upon work, is it not? He gave Solus a smile. A quizzical and unusual smile, and Solus hesitantly nodded as they both looked to the sky again, and that was the last they ever spoke of it directly. In the coming days, however, during their usual games, Alfred and the other Brayman had completed another round and were dividing the winnings. Then, as if on a whim, Alfred arranged the plain pieces in an interesting fashion to the objection of the other Brayman, for no player approved if another man touched his pieces. But Alfred laughed it off and told them not to ruin what he had done, taking notice then, even showing approval, as Solus leaned closer to the assemblage, looking upon it with curiosity. Solus regarded the collection of haphazard pieces, stones, and bones, and thorns, and other things, considering the arrangement, and at last asking what it was. Nothing, said Alfred. Nothing at all. But, I do admit, he said at last, it reminds me of Forest Temple, wouldn't you say? The other Bremen became very silent, though Alfred soon prompted them all to laughter, swatting away the pieces like a mandala as Solus considered solemnly what he had been shown.
During the coming day, the image of the Grumark appeared frighteningly more often in the faces of stone that they passed on their route. More of them were able to see it each time than before, and each time was more foreboding than the last, but his wish to rain down damnation for the sins of the Bremen was not fully certain to them until the day the Pyroworm was visited upon them. Tribal Matters By the reckoning of Solus, it is his 300th day in the Grumark's domain. He and the Bremen have just teleported into a new rocky mountainscape and they have begun their way down the side, finding what paths they may in order to make their descent. And Solus is calling for Celeste as they go, whilst it is only some hours after that the roaming creature check has come up positive, indicating a being that they cannot easily face, dismiss, or avoid. That entry shown is the Pyroworm, a sinewy, drake-like creature, possessed of gold and bronze scales, stretching some ten feet from snout to tail, with eight capable legs and a maw full of razor-sharp teeth. The dice have further shown that Solus and the Bremen have been taken by surprise, unaware of the Pyroworm, which is climbing down the mountain face towards them, vertically, on the sheer rock surface, grappling to the stone face with long, sharp claws. So before we begin, let us set up the grid, and if you are working with miniatures, and would like to reproduce this battle, you can do so by combining a number of appropriate grids. As for me, I'm tracking the battle on an enhanced sheet of Mapmaster's graph paper, the kind where alternate blocks of squares are shaded, and if you want to use one of these, grab one from the extras at patreon.com slash theironrealm for the noble warrior tier or above. So I'll lay down the grid in a bit of an abstract manner, but you can consider the upper left-hand corner to be position 1-1, that is to say, one across and one down. Put a dot in that square and another dot at position 1-2 and 1-3. The dots are going to represent the mountain path that Solus and the Bremen are on. So place another dot at 2-3 and 3-3, then another dot at 3-4 and 3-5, then a dot at 4-5 and 5-5, and you will see now what I am doing. The trail goes down three squares, and across three squares, down three more squares, and across yet another three squares. You can continue this pattern indefinitely so please do so for the number of grids 
that you have laid out. You may even choose to use a sheet of the Mapmaster's graph paper to show the big picture whilst using smaller grids to track the positions of your actual minis. So the way I'm going to work it is that any square that has a dot in it is going to be a legal position for Solus or any of the Bremen. Because they've already used their teleportation for the day, the Bremen will not be able to call upon this again. As far as the remaining squares upon the map, any of these are legal pyroworm positions, since it is no problem for a pyroworm to scale up and down the mountain face, being able to be oriented even in a perfectly vertical manner, should the creature so wish. I'm going to put Solus in position 9-9, and the positions of the Bremen are as follows. Cullen is at 9-9, Barrick is at 9-9, Arion is at 9-9, Miko is at 9-10, Conrad is at 9-11, Unione is at 8-9, whilst Tartarus is at 10-11, and Alfrig is beside him. I have to tell you, this combat may be quite deadly, and it is unlikely that all of the Bremen will survive. Whether Solus survives or not is yet to be seen. But if you'd like to claim a Character 8 bonus, give me a guess now as to how many Bremen will survive this secret ambush. Choose your number as few as zero or as many is eight Bremen, how many do you think will survive? A bonus will be given if you are correct. Choose your answer now. Now that you have your answer, let's find out what's happening with the Pyroworm result. First of all, Pyroworms appear one to four at a time, so let us see how many are present in this ambush. Three. There are three pyroworms. And I'm rolling their dice now. Okay, their life points are revealed. I will keep it a secret for now. Some further dice. I'm rolling their coordinates using D12s. Pyroworm number one is at position 11, four. Pyroworm number two is at position 11, three. And pyroworm Number three is at position eight, seven. And during the surprise round, I will say that the third pyro worm has dropped onto the path at position seven, eight, and immediately let loose with a blast of liquid fire. No, let's make that position seven, nine, in order to catch the maximum possible within the front arc of this fiery blast. Everyone here will take 4d8 damage, and here comes the roll. That's a lot of damage to Solus, Cullen, Barrick, Arion, and Unione. Death saves of the fourth kind are allowed, and so I am taking them in order. For Solus, a pass. He takes 6 points. For Cullen, a pass. Also taking 6 points. Barrick, 8 is a fail. He takes the full 11. Arion passes and loses 6 life points. Finally, Unione fails and takes the full 11. Checking on Pyroworm number 1. 
and it is moving to position 9-8, where it is unleashing a blast of liquid fire as well. In this case, I'm going to rule that the following are within its front arc. Solus, Arion, Barak, Cullen, Miko, and Conrad. Checking the damage on the second blast of liquid fire. 20 damage. This could very well kill Solus outright, and many of the Bremen as well. So let us continue on with the death saves. Arion fails, and he is dead. Solus, 16 is a success. Solus takes 10 damage. Barret fails, and is instantly slain. Cullen fails, and is slain as well. The liquid fire adheres to his body, and he is burned into a toasted carcass. Miko fails. He is down to a mere four life points, and Conrad fails as well. He is also down to four. I'm placing the final pyro worm at position 1211, and it is going to let loose with a blast against Elfric, Tartarus, and Conrad. Let's have the roll. Four, 17, the liquid fire ambush washes over all of them, slaying Conrad, certainly, but allowing a death save for Alfred and Tartarus. Alfred, a fail, Tartarus, a pass. And this is the end of the surprise round. Still standing, Alfred, Tartarus, Unione, Nico, and Solus. Felled so far, Conrad, Arion, Barak, and Cullen. As for the three pyroworms, they are each still at maximum life points. If they are fortunate, the Bremen and Solus may have a chance to drive them off. But one more blast such as has occurred this round will likely slaughter them all. wiped out by the hot liquid spray that has erupted down upon them. And all of this has occurred upon the surprise round, for it is indeed a favorite tactic of pyro worms to circle and ambush their prey, hitting as many as possible with their liquid fire attack. Elfric is down to 7, Tartarus down to 5, Unione is down to 13, and Nico has only 4. Whilst Solus is not unscathed either, having only eight life points remaining. Meanwhile, all the pyroworms are at full, and 
realize it's going to be necessary to pull out all the stops if there's any chance to succeed in this uphill battle. Round 1 initiative, Solus and the Bremen, a 2, no. the Pyro Worms, a 1, I rule now that the Bremen are going to have to take a bravery check before they have lost one amongst their number. But must they take two? Consulting the exact rules for this in the Iron Realm, Feature Creation, and Maze Master's Guide. Let's see, page 61, bravery checks. So it looks like they haven't actually lost more than half their number. So one bravery check should suffice. Because Solus is also considered to be part of the group, I would say they'd have to lose five total members before requiring a second roll. The notes on Bremen are in this book too, and I can see that their bravery is a nine. So let's have the roll, hoping for a low number. Ha ha ha, a four, and another four. That makes eight, and they've passed their check. Oh my gosh, it's hard to cut it much closer than this. <laughs> Aren't the deadliest fights always the most exciting? But this excitement could well end in a TPK, so it's time to think carefully about my next move. I'll take a second to flip through the character creation and Maze Master's Guide. And I'm looking under the section for fighters. There is just one thing I wonder if I could use to my favor. Uh, here it is, Martial Lore. I'm going to say that Solus has an opportunity to draw on some otherworld knowledge, any possible tactics that he might be able to use for a mountainside battle. But Wolver's strength is required, and luckily Solus' strength score is quite high. So the mole? It's a 15, cutting it close again, but I feel I can give Solus any possible clue that might help him. stats for pyro worms as well. They're really in a tight spot. So honestly, any advantage would help. Solus's dexterity score is a 12. I guess the good news is that they are in the light, so his armor value is a 10 rather than a 14. That's something I suppose. Any pyro worm should still be able to hit him on a 6. Or automatically hit him if he is in their front arc should they decide to use their liquid fire again. Alright, so I'm scouring the map, and as it turns out, each pyro worm is actually pretty close, within melee range, of all the Bremen and Solus as well, so probably their very best chance would be to fell one of the pyro worms and force a bravery check against them. This is going to be asking a lot, however, because the Bremen have been cocky, having no weapons upon themselves, if indeed any of these are available in Mark's domain. So therefore, any given Bremen should only be able to deliver one to four damage on the hit, probably by using its horns. Meanwhile, I happen to know that the second Pyro Worm has a mere 11 life points. 
It is actually the farthest away from Solaris, but it would be easiest to force a bravery check by felling this one. Solus still has a powerful hit if he can connect with his sword, and perhaps too, the Brahmin may be able to help him. Of course, should this fail, their entire group may possibly be showered again with additional liquid fire, and I would expect this is likely to wipe them out. Caught between the devil and death, Solus springs into action, his martial lore ability also allowing him to sense tactical weakness in the second Pyroworm, the one that is in position 12-11. Perhaps it is in an especially precarious position, vulnerable on the rock face, unable to fully defend itself, accounting for its lower life point total. Fight back! Yell Solus, I'm going to rule that Unione moves to cover Solus, fighting against Pyro Worm number one. Needs a 13 against its armor value of four. 17! I'll say Unione has managed to grapple against the Pyro Worm, grabbing at one of its legs and headbutting it for one point of damage. Solus is charging in against the second Pyro Worm. Together now! And it looks like, considering the bonuses for left, a 15 against its armor value of 4 might usually be necessary, but Solus has a bonus of 2 for his strength and another bonus of 1 for the sword of Orleone. Still a bit of a challenge, he's going to need a 12. 15! Swinging the sword for d8 damage. A 5! Plus 2 for his strength, plus 1 for the sword, makes an 8. That Pyro Worm is down to three life points, as the magical sword, once owned by Joan of Arc, rips viciously across its scales, opening a gash in the Pyro Worm's side. Huh, alright, now we're talking. Let's put Alfred in there. The Pyro Worm is trying to find its balance, slipping down the rock face, and I would say, definitely coming within range. Alfred headbutts. A 4 is a fail. Let's see if Tartarus can help him. A 13. That headbutt deals 3 points of damage. Tartarus has grasped the struggling creature, taking full advantage of the wound that Solus laid into it by driving in his teeth and finding the Great Lizard's jugular, which he sucks. Meanwhile, with the second Pyroworm down, Miko turns its attention to the first Pyroworm and charges towards it. Nat 20! The first Pyroworm is down by an additional 4 damage, and Unione makes an attempt as well, elated by his brother's victory. He has, however, failed. Truthfully now, this could be the turning point. I see that the Pyroworm has a bravery of 10, so only an exceptional roll should drive them away now. Let's see what the dice give. A 7! The loss of one of their number has not dissuaded the ferocious creatures in the least. And so I turn it over to the first Pyroworm at position 9-8. I'm going to rule now that the Brainen are in so close that Pyroworm 1's liquid fire could only hit one of them. For this reason, I'm going to say that Pyroworm 1 is attacking against Miko with his bite, and against Unione with both of his claws. Bremen armor value is 7, 
Here come the claws. Two hits with claws and a bite. A 15 with the bite. If these Bremen had been humans, they would be dead now. But there is no element of magic in the Pyroworm's claw or bite attack. So as it turns out, both of these Bremen are spared. I'm going to say it's uncertain whether the third Pyroworm realizes this, but instinctively it unleashes its stream of liquid fire nonetheless against Nico and Unione. The dice... 15, 25, 27. Nico burns where he stands. Any death save is pointless since he has only four life points remaining. And as I look at the numbers, Unione, having 13 life points, is also fated just to die. Would he have made his death save anyway? Three? No, he would not. On the other hand, I find it very likely that Pyro Worm number one would also be caught in the stream of liquid fire. I'm taking a look at the Pyro Worm summary from the Creature Creation and Maze Master's Guide for some additional guidance on this. Yes, it does stipulate that the stream of fire will hit all targets within its front arc. So I don't think it's unreasonable to interpret that as a cone-shaped blast. Further, since Pyro Worm number one was engaged in melee combat, biting and clawing with the Bremen, I would say that it is definitely hit. Here's a death save. 17, the Pyro Worm succeeds at its death save. And that means it only takes 13 points of damage, but that's still enough to drop it to negative one. It is the Dragonoid who loses consciousness. It slips from the wall, impacts the rock path, and with its death-locked jaws still gripping at Unione, the monster plummets them hundreds and hundreds of feet down from the sky-crested heights of the mountain peak. Round two, Solus and the Bremen. A four, and the Pyro Worm. A two. I'm going to make a bravery check for the Bremen now, for the group has lost half its number. Here it is. A five. Elfric and Tartarus could not falter. And so under the direction of Solus, they charge the remaining Pyro Worm, hoping him to lock it in melee combat, which might have a chance to spare them a third blast of the liquid fire, giving their trio at least some advantage. Elfric, five is a miss. Tartarus, four is a miss. Here's Solus coming forth with the Sword of Heaven. Another miss as well. All three of them now are at position 7-9, surrounding the Pyro Worm on the path. Indeed, having engaged it in melee, but the creature is still ferocious, and it is hard to maneuver on the constricted mountainside path. And so let's give our attention to the Pyro Worm, who now must make a bravery check on its own. Two dice. It's a four. The Pyro Worm will not back down, and it begins snapping at them with its massive jaws. I'm going to say that it's going to level its claws against one of the combatants, and its bite against another. I'm going to roll a d6. One to two. The 
claws are against Solus, 3-4, against Tartarus, 5-6, against Alfred. Tartarus takes the claws, and as for the bite, Alfred takes the bite. Therefore, I can ignore this attack entirely, and so let us continue to round three. Initiative, Solus and his group, a four, the Pyro Worm, a two, Solus swings with the Sword of Orleans. A 7 is a fail. Alfred, he has rolled a 12, which is just a miss. And Tartarus, now 20. Go, Tartarus, go. Go, Tartarus, go. <laughs> 3 doubles to a 6. That's a good hit. Tartarus gouges the pyro worm in the neck with the two daggers upon his skull as the beast lets out. It redoubles its efforts. Solus is taking the claws. And Tartarus, the bite. The Pyro Worm needs only sixes to hit Solus. A five and a fifteen. Solus is hit just once for d6 damage. Six damage! Oh, it's not looking good. Solus is down to a mere two. The attack on Tartarus can, however, be ignored. Round four. Initiative. Solus and Babraman. A six. The Pyro Worm. A four. Tartarus attacks again, leading a 13. A 7. Alfred needs a 13 as well. Here's his roll. Yeah, 20! Alfred takes his brother's lead, gouging with his horns. Ha ha! Another 3. Double to a 6. The Pyro Worm is down to only 8 life points. And it won't be retreating now, of course. So this is a battle to the death. Solus, leading badly now. From all of his wounds, holds up the sword of Orion, and says a small prayer asking briefly for the mercy of God that the sword might find its mark. It comes hurtling down then against the sinister pyro worm, and here's the roll. Thirteen! With Solus's bonuses, this is enough. And the damage is a five with two points added for strength, and one point for the enchantment of the blade. The Pyroworm is dead. Three Pyroworms in all, 390 level points each, makes 1170, divided nine ways, is an extra 130 level points into Solus's level point pool. By the end of the fight, of those still alive, Solus is taking the worst of it, and so once it has been determined for sure that none of the fallen can be revived, he uses the power of the Sword of Orleans once again, restoring to himself a full six life points. This leaves Solus at eight, Alfred at seven, and Tartarus at five. Young Solus, says Alfred. It seems the Grimoire shows it out for you in a bad way. So, in the interest of self-preservation, this is where you must part ways. But, you saved our lives, Solace. And this, we won't soon forget. In exchange for what you have given, we will see you safely off this mountain. For we, Brainman, always pay our debts. A battle survived that may very well have ended in death. But Solus has lost his invulnerable guides now, and seems no closer to finding the fair Celeste. What twists and turns are coming next as Solus struggles through a world that the Grumark fully 
controls. Return soon to me, traveler, for the coming episode of the Iron Realm will reveal the next chapter of Solus's fate. And until we meet again, play hard or go home, Iron Realm! Beware always what lurks upon the dizzying peaks of the mountain.